Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Big Red Monday out here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. We're going to take your calls in about 15 minutes, so stick around for that. But, Wolf, before that, we got to take a look at, uh, at what the, the playoff picture looks like now for the Cardinals. They're obviously not in a spot right now. They're 3-5. and five. But I don't think you can you can write them off quite yet because of what's coming up. You've got the Seahawks on Sunday. You've got the Rams the following Sunday. You've got the 49ers the following Monday in Mexico City. I love it, man. One way out. This is it. Yeah. I mean, one, <laughs> this is it, man. For better or for worse, either one way out of this mess or one way out of the playoff picture in the next three weeks. That Seahawks game from two weeks ago, I was just telling you during the break how 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 – just the mood after that game was the worst I can remember it being around just the, just the vibe around the team and some of it is because that was such a winnable game and now look at where the Seahawks are and look at where you are. Some of it I honestly think is because Hollywood Brown got hurt and and it's so frustrating to watch this team right now and have to wonder what the offense would look like with DeAndre Hopkins I and know. Hollywood Brown. I know man it is. It's driving me nuts but right now you have to tell the truth. You have to look at yourself. If you're a player inside that locker room right now you have to say we are 3-5 and five and we have not played anywhere close to our best football right now. The offense once again has got to continue to get better. It is getting better. There's no denying it. The impact that DeAndre Hopkins has on this offense is real. I wish it were not so. I've talked about it many times yet at the same time it is so. He makes that big of a difference for Kyler Murray and this offense going forward. So now you got to start trying to stack some wins. And guess what the schedule makers did for you? They gave you the door <laughs> to stack a win, to beat Seattle right now. I mean, immediately, do you think, when I think of the Seattle Seahawks, I don't see a game where I think it's impossible for the Arizona Cardinals to beat them at home. I don't think that in the least. I, I think, think they, they should have beat them a couple weeks ago. I know. I'm just saying that for me, once again, I think this this is a this is going to be a competitive game. I'll be shocked if it's not competitive. But the way out of this season and the three and five start is right through the NFC West. That's the way out. Seattle at the Rams and then Mexico City with the 49ers. I mean, that's got to be your motto at this point is to leave that game in Mexico City still in this, whatever that takes. I think it takes at least two and one. I don't see how you can go one and two or oh and three in the next three. You're done. I don't see how you can even go one and two I'm in the next you. three. I'm with you. I mean, you got to win two of those games. I, I, and, and you don't get greedy. Yeah, well, you ideally you get all three. That'd be great. Uh, and that's what's tough is like you look at this team, and, and I said this earlier, they haven't won two in a row since last November 21st and December 5th, those games against Seattle and then the bye week and then Chicago. It's the last time they even stacked two wins in a row. Last time they won three in a row was back when they were starting the season 7-0 and last year. Uh, as a team, you're not looking and saying, we got to win the next three. But I do think you got to win the next one. And what I would say about this is Seattle... As much as you just lost to them, and as much as you are beat up on the offensive line, 
when you lost to Seattle a couple weeks ago, you lost because you couldn't score, right? You had nine points. You weren't. You were missing extra points and not even trying field goals. You do now have Matt Prater and DeAndre Hopkins. I would go ahead and put in, in their contracts right now, Wolf, those guys can't ever retire. <laughs> because Prater hits his field goals and Hopkins catches everything. And if they had had them all season, it doesn't matter now, but if they had had them all season, you feel like they would have another win or two. Yeah, and you know, once again, uh, the guys inside the locker room, I cannot help it, but as a former professional athlete, that is where my mind and my heart goes. It does. Inside the locker room right now, you don't want to be talking about playoffs, and nobody is talking about playoffs. I'll promise you. They're not talking about the playoffs inside that locker room as they're sitting down eating their salami sandwich over lunch. They're not talking about that. What they're talking about is playing better. This team is yet to go out and play a complete game, in my opinion. Offensively, defensively, and with special teams. Uh, I, I don't think they've come close to actually doing that. No. And that's what these guys got to be focused on right now. Three and five. Okay, it's official. You got off to a three and five start. That's the first half of the season, basically. Now, all of a sudden, turn around your fortunes, just like your fortunes were turned around the last two years. Only this time, do the antithesis. You're, Flip it. You're going to have to do exactly what you haven't been able to do the last couple years. And what critics of Cliff Kingsbury would say he's never been able to do. But this, this, was, this was the point coming out of that playoff game last year anyway was they nobody's going to care if they don't play well in the second half what at the time was next season is now this season you're basically at the halfway point you're eight games into a 17 game schedule you're not out of it but you have to finish strong otherwise you will be you'll be out of it quick i mean you'll be out of it by the bye week if you don't start winning games here and Honestly, I think you got to have the Seattle one because you, you, if you lose that game to Seattle, you're basically four games behind them. You'd be three games back, and they'd have the tiebreaker over you. You got to win this game, and like you said, it's all about just finding a way to play better. What game have they really played this year where they're even yeah. close to a complete game? Maybe the New Orleans game. That's about the only one. And the offense wasn't amazing, but they made plays and they hit field goals and they did score 42 points and the defense had two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the only one. Yeah, that that may be the only one. And even then, um, it didn't look completely like the Arizona Cardinals no. offense when they were rolling. It, it did not to me. So, look, this team right now at 3-5, and five, um, I'm sure everybody in that locker room is going to look at each other and say, we're, we're in this thing. We beat the Seattle Seahawks coming up here, and we're in this thing. There's no denying that. I, I think you're right back in it, especially with the division being what it is right now. This team's got to come together, man. They have to come together and block out the outside noise, because guess what? There's a lot of people out there that are fired up about the Arizona Cardinals. Angry about how this season has gone with the Arizona Cardinals. And that's great. You want your fan base to be fired up about that. You've got to block it out, though, if you are a player. I'm sorry. you got to focus on your job and what it is that you've got to do. Yeah, you're going to hear the fans come Sunday. Oh, yeah, but you got to focus on you getting yourself ready to play. This team has got to come together as a team or explode in the process. 
the division has been wide open for eight games. If you lose to Seattle, it's not so wide open anymore. Seattle would be way ahead of you. And I think we would all agree San Francisco is the most dangerous team in the division right now. That they have Christian McCaffrey and he's throwing touchdown passes and they're beating the Rams again. So if you want to probably have the worst quarterback in the yeah. division. Um, so if you want to if you want to keep this in a in a scenario where it's hey okay we just gotta you know survive week to week and the division is is wide open. You if that's the narrative you want to follow, you got to beat Seattle. Otherwise, the division's not wide open. You you at that point would be way behind Seattle. All right, when we come back. It's your turn. What's the one thing? that stood out to you about the Cardinals' loss in Minnesota yesterday. It's time for a listeners-only meeting at 602-260-9870. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Love you, bro. Love you. Love you. Let's be the best. Let's be the best. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. All right, let's take some calls. Listeners only meeting here at 602-260-9870. It's a big red Monday. We're out here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. And, Wolf, let's uh, let's start with Robert in Phoenix. Robert, what's going on? Yo, what's up, guys? What's up? Thank you for having me on. Sure, you know, buddy. Very quickly, I wanted to say, uh, Wolf, love you, bro. Uh, me and my father would listen to you every Monday morning. May God rest his soul and... Just to hear what's up, you know, on uh, after Cardinals win their loss, and first thing we'd hear is, "Are you talking to me?" <laughs> man, bro, we loved it. We loved oh. it every single day. But thank you, you know, bro. you know, where do I start with this game, man? Uh, I'm just really frustrated with the coaching staff, um, the delay of games. They, they, it's week after week, season after season, and I'm just tired of delay of games. The wide receiver screen, you know, it feels like they fail more often than they succeed. And and he, he shows no emotion on the sidelines. You know, if there's a bad call on the field, he just stands there. If there's a bad play on offense, he just stands there. He shows no emotion. He, he doesn't seem like a leader like Bruce Arians. Like. And the fact that uh, Bidwell gave him a six-year extension is like, whoa, like, it just kind of questions, you know, the, the, the process, the mindset of, of Bidwell. It feels like he's just kind of Steve Kimes pet, and I love Steve Kimes. I, I love what he's done for the team, and, you know, he's a really good at the trade, did really good with trades, but drafting, like, look at the last, what, six, seven first-round picks. None of them have, I mean, what, one or two of them have Succeeded. What about the others? Like, it's it's a just team full of free agent signings and tr- uh, trades. It's like, you know, I just wonder should we all start looking at the the owner because it just seems like winning is not a big priority to him at least at this point. But I just want to hear what you guys thought think about my thoughts. So thank you for having me on. All right, thanks, Robert. We appreciate uh, the call there, man. Yeah, Wolf. He he hit on 
the, I would say, four main things that the fan base is upset with right now. And he just kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Like Robert summarized it right there for us. It's the delay of games and the mismanagement just getting plays on the field. Uh, I know fans are sick of the wide receiver screens. I don't think they, I didn't think they were the issue yesterday, but but I get it. Um, the extension, the five-year extension, which ends up being six yeah. years to Cliff. I mean, you and I talked about that. We were on the air when it happened. We were both like, wow, I, I, I know for me, I would have made him prove it this year. I thought he deserved this year, but I would have made him prove it this year. And then the draft. So yeah. where do you want to go with and that? You know, I'm, I'm with you on that one right there. First of all, Robert, let me just say right now that uh, Michael Bidwell does want to win. He does want to win. It's the reason why. You may disagree, but it's the reason why he signed Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury to a five-year extension. It is. It's because of what Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime did in building this team into from a five-game a five-win team to to an eight-win to an eleven-win. I know you can sit there and say, oh, "Look at what happened in the playoffs, Wolf." Are you kidding me? And you're you're right about that, buddy. I was as disappointed as anybody. They collapse and have collapsed the last two years. They have. Yet at the same time, anybody else would look at that and say that's a success: five wins, eight wins, eleven wins, and a playoff appearance. That's why. It extended these guys. Steve Keim has built three teams in the last decade that got to the postseason. Okay, so you have to say, okay, yeah, the draft picks haven't been working. And I understand that. And Steve Keim's got to get better at the draft. It has to. His staff and Steve have to get better at those draft picks. Yet at the same time, you build a team a completely different way in the year 2022 of our Lord. You do in the NFL. It is a year-to-year proposition. It involves trades, and it involves free agents. It does. I think it's it's the optics of the five-year extension. I know a lot of fans are like, it, it almost feels like nobody's accountable if they're bad this year and next year and the year after. You know what I mean? You just look and you're like, okay, well, this is it no matter what. And so then every loss feels like it's multiplied by five or six. Sure. Like for me, I and, and I'm probably... Probably nobody will agree with this one way or the other. I would have given Cliff this year. I wouldn't have given him the extension yet, but I would have given him the whole year. I wouldn't be firing him today if he was. I would have given him this year, and then you reevaluate at the end of the season if he can turn it around. I would have been fine. Okay, you're back. I probably would have given him a two year extension if they turn it around and make the playoffs. But uh, just think of the logic right there, where you're trying to say I'm going to give this guy a five year extension because I want to lose because I don't think he's good at what he does. Okay, no. But it, it, the, the frustration as a fan is every loss right now, you're committed to this for another half decade. That's the way it feels. Uh, Daniel, in Phoenix. Daniel, you're on the Wolf and Luke Show. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, I, I guess to, to follow up with what the last guy said, and even along with what Wolf said, is that, yeah, the, the, the winds have gone up. We've had some playoff uh, appearances. But if we digress this year, what does that say? Does that say that, that we that it does it justify everything? And no, then no. and then the second the second point of that is is if DeAndre Hopkins is the key to this offense, why haven't they extended him yet? They're gonna wait and they're gonna let him go and they're gonna go find somebody else and they're gonna keep doing this. And I think what the overall problem is is their development of players. 
we let that cornerback go to Green Bay. He's the one that picked off uh, Kyler last year and basically won that game. We let Hassan Reddick go because we weren't using him right, and now he's doing the stuff that he's doing. And it goes all the way back to Jay Novacek. We get these players. We don't develop them. We don't want to pay them. We let them go. They go somewhere else and become legends. It's a repetitive thing. That's why Pat P was upset, Tyran Matthew, uh, Calais Campbell, and Quan Bolden. It's a repetitive thing. And and as far as extending time, how are you going to extend him when the couple of playoff appearances that we have had, we got destroyed? And so the next thing would be is, okay, let's go get, let's go sign some real good players because we're right there at the edge, ready to do something. And they don't do it. They don't do what it takes to get to that next step. If, 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 if you all want to change my mind, go get Bradley Chubb right now. Go get him up that first-round pick since hey, he can do a first-round pick to begin with and get Bradley Chubb, add to that defensive line, let the offensive line get healthy, and these next three games right here, that's when we're going to be yeah. able to see where we're at. And if we're not there, he needs to go. Yeah, you know what, honestly, right Thanks, now, Daniel. Bradley Chubb, I'm with you, Daniel, on that one. I'm with you. You're sold. But once again, I think you have to evaluate somebody over time. You do. Um, it's one of the biggest mistakes I think the National Football League makes. I think they fire people way too quickly. If, in fact, you know you've got a guy that is capable of doing something and fulfilling a job, give him the opportunity to do it or prove you wrong otherwise. Steve Kime has proven he can do that. Once again, how you build a team in the National Football League, it's different. It's completely different in 2022 than it was back when I was playing, certainly. And now even in 2002, 20 years later, it's so different. It is. And when you find people that are capable of doing it, you've got to give them every resource to prove you're wrong. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers do, and that's exactly the way that I'd love to see the Arizona Cardinals run their organization as well. Just like that. Give somebody the opportunity to show you they're not the guy. Hey, listen, Cliff Kingsbury right now, once again, yeah, in year one, doesn't look great, does it? That extension doesn't look great. What, what about the big picture? If you think he's capable of doing it, and they think he's capable of doing it, give them the opportunity. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts on this, but I want to get to a couple more calls here. Let's go out to Bradley in Chandler. Maybe this is Bradley Chubb. I don't know. Bradley, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, Good. Thanks for taking my call. I, yeah. I think a lot of people are, are, are mistouching on the Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, I get it. You know, he, he, he helped coach Patrick Mahomes, but Kyler isn't Patrick Mahomes. You have a very elite skill set with Kyler that you're not utilizing. You're not utilizing him running the ball. You're not you're not setting up those draw plays that we've seen in the past. And another big thing that I wanted to touch on, too, was the special teams yesterday. I mean, Greg Dortch, great, great returner in the league. I don't think he's one of the best, but, I mean, he wasn't even looking for the ball, and that's just mental errors. And these guys on offense have no, absolutely no aggressive, aggressive play calling, aggressiveness towards them. I mean, two delay games, and then their defense has given up 75 yards in the first quarter to Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's one of the greatest backs in the league. But, I mean, I just want to know your guys' thoughts on the mental error or the mental mistakes, the the, the lack of aggression on offense. Elite teams, they have that aggressiveness. I mean, I watched the uh, 49ers game yesterday, and they just look 10 times different than the Cardinals do. Even even with the New England Patriots, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady's struggles right now just has more aggressiveness, more more, um, 
what am I trying to say? More immediate action where, you know, instead of playing from behind, why don't you go out there, score two or three touchdowns, and then you don't have to rely on your defense to keep you in that game. Right. You know, who do you blame for that, bro? Who do you blame for the not looking like they're not aggressive? I mean, I think it comes with the coaching staff. I think, you know, Vance Joseph has kept us in some pretty good games. I thought in the beginning of the season with, with Kansas City just coming out there and trouncing the Cardinals, they, it looked like that defense didn't even know they were lined up or the game even started. But now you look at this defense, Byron Murphy, he he's, he can be an elite shutdown corner. I thought that with, you know, J.C. Jackson when he was with New England. But I think the big thing is is just the lack of aggressiveness on the offensive side of the ball. All these screen passes, the delay of games, that's going to come down to Cliff Kingsbury. And I don't think Cliff should be should be calling the plays. We, we saw it last year with Cleveland when, when Steve Wilkes called the plays. They looked ten times more aggressive, and they looked ten times better on offense. Bradley, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the call. Uh, Appreciate the phone call. Sorry we didn't get to everybody here because I know we're up against the break now, but uh, some good calls there. This is probably stuff we're going to get more into throughout the week, too, because, um, I mean, there's a consistent theme from a good chunk of the fan base, and I'm with you. I think it's misplaced. I really do. I'm sorry because as a former player, you got to look at the players out there that are playing the game, the guys that are actually making the decision. We don't know. You sit there and look at the coach, and you think, do you think Cliff Kingsbury's looking at his play sheet, not sure what to call? But they're locked into Kyler, too. That's why it's alarming as a fan base. You're locked into the the core of this, and so every loss feels like five losses. for the most part, people look at Cliff Kingsbury and blame him for that. No, I know. I know. And you shouldn't. Uh, Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. At what point does Patrick Peterson get over his time with the Cardinals? We'll get into that next. He had some thoughts yesterday after the game. If you didn't hear him, we'll play him next as well. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here we go! Quick! Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Welcome back to the Wolf and Luke Show. We are at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Cliff Kingsbury is going to join us at 145 as he does on every Big Red Monday for our exclusive one-on-one with the Cardinals coach. Wolf, one thing that stood out in that game yesterday was just how motivated Patrick Peterson looked to beat his former team. His former team now from a couple years ago. So before I play the Patrick Peterson audio, in case people haven't heard that, I'm just going to play audio from a couple other guys about how much Patrick P was talking just in general. Here's Kyler Murray on Pat P. John. Don't set me none. <laughs> no, no, okay, that was Kyler right there. Kyler is a man of few words. Don't affect me none. How about DeAndre Hopkins? He loves the game. We love the game. We don't we don't look into it that much like you guys do. Pat P's a competitor. Uh, you know, you got to love his spirit. I never DeAndre Hopkins is one of the few sound bites we play where I never know what he's going to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for the most part you do this job for a while, you kind of have a feeling, okay, this happened. I'm guessing Kyler might go this way with it. I'm guessing Cliff will go this way. I'm go- guessing Devin Booker will go this direction with it. DeAndre Hopkins, he could say anything. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, you know, um I am I, I <laughs> 
I'm a huge fan of D-Hop, and yet I disagree with him on some things. There's no doubt about it. But just listening to him, man, I love the way that he conducts himself. I, I love the leader that he is. He leads in a different kind of way, man. And there's not just one way to be a leader. He leads in a lot of different ways, and I'm a fan. Uh, Patrick Peterson was talking during the game, and then he was talking after the game. And I got to say, Wolf, I did not necessarily expect this. I figured, we said last week, you know, we're going to hear from Patrick Peterson on his podcast going into the game. And we did on Friday. I'm going to get two interceptions with, against the Cardinals. He did not get two interceptions, but he got the win. Uh, but this is Patrick Peterson after the game. This was on the field. And I'm going to start with this one talking about Cardinals general manager Steve Kime. Where's Steve Kahn? Still running for us. That's what I want to start. Man to man, face to face. Stop running. What do you want to tell him? I want to talk to him in the space. I don't want him to see this. I want to see a personal, personal person. Yeah, I need to see a personal person. Stop running. Stop running. Said you was going to call me back. It's two years later. Man. Somebody wants a return call. First of all, Patrick, a lot of times people text now in 2022. Like, would a text yeah. be enough? I, I know. You know what? I love Pat P. Uh, I've said this before. I'll continue to say it. I'm a fan of Pat P., ladies and gentlemen, and um, everything that he's done. His charitable work is just fantastic. It is. Yet, I, I just I don't understand where he's coming from on this one right here. Uh, you, you're on a 6-1 and one team. You, you've been there for two years now. You've played the Arizona Cardinals already. Twice. Twice now. Twice, now, now, twice being right? the second, yeah. Yes. It, what happened the first time you played them? Why, why wasn't all this coming out? It was a little, you know, even then you could see, uh, metaphorically speaking, there there was, it was recent. The wound was recent. <laughs> I can understand that. I, I don't understand two years later where suddenly all of this angst that is coming out the second time you play, except you won this game, and maybe... I don't know. Yeah, you were willing to say it after this game, maybe, because you won the game. I'm guessing he felt this last year, though. I, I, it's, I was trying to think of a situation, Wolf, and I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember it, where a game ends and a player's reaction is immediately to call out the other team's GM. Yeah, like it's just, I know. And that was on the field. And that, I know. that was actually the only part I saw last night was that on the field. And I was like, okay, you know, heat of the moment. And he, yeah. he obviously was frustrated with the way things ended here. That, and I don't think that's a surprise. But this was this next clip was in front of his locker, so he had a few minutes to calm down a little bit, and he talked about this kind of, not kind of, very weird story about emails. I've been told a lot of things about me with the other organization. Get fan mails from the owner saying that they, I can't tackle. I'm old. I lost it. So I wanted to show him that. Uh, I don't know. Someone was sending emails to the, you know, to the owners, and when I get them on my chair, just things like that, you know. You talking about this week? No, when I was there. Yeah. Somebody was leaving emails mm-hmm. while you couldn't tackle on your chair in the locker room. And they, would, and they said they went to the fact to say, as long as I was on the team, they wasn't going to be a season ticket holder anymore. I think his name was, his name was John H. Berry, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> 
Any message for John H. Perry today? Yeah. You see me. You see me. Also, why would they print it out and leave it on your chair, too, right? That's, that, that was the mind-boggling thing to me. I'm like, what? What did I do to deserve this from a fan? I, that's just a yeah. weird... It's a weird. It's just weird all the way around. It, everything about it's weird. We don't know if it's true or not. But to come up with that, if it isn't true, is weird. Yeah. And to bring I, it up two years later is weird. Well, see, and that's it right there where you've already played the Arizona Cardinals once. Why, why now is this story coming out? Wouldn't that wound be so fresh a year earlier as opposed to two years? I, I see. I don't. I don't understand, Pappy. I know that I, I love him uh, as a dude. Um, I know that uh, as a player, of course, he's been great for the organization. I know that he's done a lot of charitable work. I just don't understand his reasoning on this one right here at all. I don't because it's like he's picking a scab from a severed arm. Well, it's over, Pappy. It's done. You're no longer an Arizona Cardinal. It's, It's over. And you've had two years to get on top of that. Why are you still picking the scab? Let's not forget, Patrick Peterson in his prime is one of the best Cardinals ever. Patrick Peterson in his prime when when he was here. Um, No doubt. And I don't even, like, if I were were in his spot and I felt like I gave this team a lot and then they told me I was done, and this happens constantly in sports, and a lot of times the team is right, I absolutely would use that as motivation. They thought I was done and I'm going to play them. Yeah, I'll show them. Even even if I don't have it the other 16 weeks, they're not beating me. Uh, But the other stuff and the fact that he's, He's holding on to it now. That's just a little bit different than I, than I would I, handle things. Can I just say this, too? And, you know, it's not like I, I have my pulse on the locker room for the Arizona Cardinals, but I am in and around this team an awful lot. And I do know some people that do have their pulse on this team. It's the first I've ever heard of that. Ever. And I'm like trying that to, specific story, that, you mean? That yeah. story about printing out emails and leaving them on... Uh, ever. Like, I had no inclination whatsoever of that. And that was happening. Pat P., why didn't that come out the first time you played the card? That is something you would think if that if that really happened, you would think would come out like the day he signed with Minnesota. That's right, or the may, off season. Maybe you have one day of like, oh, I'm so happy to be here in Minnesota, and then like the next day it comes up or something. Not calling him a liar. I'm just saying... What are you doing? Also, if you're the Vikings, at a certain point, are you like, hey, we love it that you play extra hard against the Cardinals? Yeah. We play them. We may not play them again for three years. I know. Um, you are wearing purple now. Why are you still looking at your ex? I know. <laughs> like, why? We're six <laughs> and focused? one. Yeah. We're in first place. They're three and five. Why are you still talking about them? Uh, we come back. Do the Cardinals need to add somebody to their defense? The trade deadline is tomorrow. So if they're going to do that, they don't have a whole lot of time. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Okay, Wolf, before we get into the uh, defense, they've just shown the highlight again. DJ Moore at the end of that game for Carolina yesterday. That's brutal. 
In case people missed it, what Carolina was down six. DJ Moore, nice play, gets the touchdown. Twelve seconds left, right? If Carolina wins that game, they're actually in first place. That's how bad the uh, NFC South is. Uh, and he takes his helmet off to celebrate, gets penalized with that fifteen yards. So all of a sudden, the the point after becomes a forty-eight yarder. Eddie Pinheiro misses it, so we go to overtime. Eddie Pinheiro misses a thirty-two yard field goal, and Atlanta ultimately wins. Stunning. Not, Stunning not right a good there. way to lose a game if you're DJ Moore. Especially if you think about it, DJ Moore is like the one consistently good player Carolina has had on offense the yeah. last I mean, because McCaffrey's gone. So of all the people that have been there through the downs that could have used a win, it's him. Uh, okay, over to the Cardinals and the defense. Let's just start there. The defense, okay, week one against the Chiefs. Set that aside. The next few weeks, they gave the Cardinals a chance to win against Vegas, and the Cardinals took advantage. Chance to beat the Rams, they lost. Chance to beat Carolina, they won. Chance to beat Philly, chance to beat Seattle. I mean, the defense played well enough for them to, to go 5-0 and in that five-game stretch. Last two games, um, they scored twice, and they took back at least three points with that Antonio Hamilton end zone interception against New Orleans. But we heard last week Vance Joseph had some, some words for his defense after that game. Yesterday, they gave up 34 points. Yes, to a good team. Yes, there were turnovers that fueled some of that. But I found myself thinking as I watched that game, Wolf, this team can't win giving up 30 points in a game right now. Yeah. You know, how did the defense play overall? I think um, the offense and special teams, to your point, put them in really tough situations. There's no no denying that. Um, but I thought they performed below the standard that they have set. I mean, ever since the first six quarters of the season, once again, the Kansas City game and the first half of the Raiders game, um, they performed below that standard. I thought, and they're the ones that have set that standard because um, the short fields they were put in, they gave up some points, and I didn't think they were awful, but they played poor, especially situationally, and when I say that situationally, I'm talking about red zone, five for five. I mean, at, at some point in time, you've got to stop the other team from scoring a touchdown once they get a possession inside your 20. You, at least once. Yeah, and that five might have made all the difference five. yesterday. Might have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they didn't, play, they didn't play well on third down. That's situational football as well. They gave up 46% conversion rate to the Minnesota Vikings. That's not good. And they got worked in rundown situation as well. So first and 10, second and one to six. They allowed the Vikings to run the ball 22 times for 127 yards. That's an average of 5.7 yards per attempt during rundown where you expect the other team might actually run the ball first and 10 second and one to six they got worked and you got to own it and wear it jj watt after the game on specifically the defense not being able to stop the run obviously i'm I'm, i only speak for defense i'm only going to speak for the defensive side of the ball um we got to do a better job stopping the run game. Um, we let him outside and, and he gashed us a few times. I mean, the one, the one by Kirk was just a. We had a pass rush closing and he, he found a little escape lane and then got out. Um, it's a great run by him. A lot of credit. Um, but for us, we just we got to stop the run. We got to get to the quarterback and affect him. And we just we just can't let him score whenever 35 points. 
That one hurt, Wolf, the Kirk Cousins run. Because, look, Dalvin Cook, he had his best game on the ground this season. But Dalvin Cook, for a a few years there, and he's not, like, removed from that, was one of the two or three best running backs in the league. It doesn't make you feel any better. Oh, we got beat by a great running back. you got to stop him if you want to win. But Kirk Cousins getting out of a sack and scrambling nine yards for a touchdown. It was just like, all right, they're going to score every time they're down here now? Yeah, see, that to me, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, that's that's what's going to happen right there. You get a weird play like that. Okay, Kirk Cousins did it. Um, Dalvin Cook, they they ran the ball, and Dalvin Cook had a great 25 times they handed the ball off to their running backs, and they rushed for 151 yards and two touchdowns. 25 times they handed. It wasn't Kirk Cousins. 25 times they handed the ball off to a running back. They rushed for 151 yards. Man, they got beat inside the box. They got beat outside the box. They got beat, period. And that was disconcerting to see that. Uh, Here's Marcus Golden after the game talking about the Vikings using a complete playbook. Yes, of course it can, man. You can do a lot when you're running the ball well and um, or just keep running the ball. And uh, not really able to get out there and really throw, have to worry about throwing deep passes. But you give them credit. They did their thing today, and they came away with the win. Yeah. They came away with a win right there, and again, you I know, don't like subdued Marcus. There Gold. was, a, I know, I, this <laughs> makes me sad. <laughs> exactly, no, Marcus is always so up here, yeah. ready to go, and here we go. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, once again, they set a standard. After the first six quarters of the season, they were setting a standard to me about how this team is going to play. Now, they sometimes fell a little short of that standard, maybe, but overall, I thought they they were creating that standard for themselves. Yesterday, um, they played below that standard. Yeah, that, and that it goes back to what you were saying earlier. We can't get everybody on the same page. It's hard for me to blame the defense for anything. That has gone wrong. I know. In the three, and they weren't I good know. against the Chiefs. I get that, but but and, and even yesterday they weren't good in the first half. They got better against the run coming out of the half. Like Vance Joseph gets this defense to adjust at halftime, and then they adjust. It's not just him saying, "Okay, this is what they're doing. Let's move this piece and move this and be ready for this." These guys respond. They they were they much better respond. against the rush, and the, it, it's just if they. It's not fair, but if they had held Minnesota to 20 points like they did the Rams or the Eagles, or I mean, they held the Eagles to 20 points. If they held them to 19 points like they held Seattle, well, now the offense is moving the ball enough where they probably win the game yesterday. So now it's like you're losing these 19-9 and 20-17 games and 20-12. Now you're losing 34-26 now that the offense is back. I I can't find it in myself to blame the defense yet. They weren't supposed to be the strength of this team, but it does raise the question. Wolf with the trade deadline tomorrow you're three and five are you still actively looking to add to this team we heard Cliff last week say yeah I would expect probably a trade yeah, what trade could that possibly be? You know what the rumors are out there in regard to Bradley Chubb, Ron Wolfley uh, speculating. <laughs> All right, not reporting, speculating. Um, the rumor also is you got to give up a number one if you want Bradley Chubb. Well, that's the problem. A lot of teams seem to want Bradley Chubb. What with him being good and all. Exactly. Um, he's very, very good and a very effective edge rusher, of course. Um, whether or not that is going to happen, Happen for the Arizona Cardinals? I have no idea, but I can tell you right now that would fit like a glove, would it not? 
I mean that that's exactly it's your first Ace Ventura reference. I, of the I week. think that's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals need is a Bradley Chubb. Stick him out on the edge. Here we go. Yeah, I want to see how hesitant they may or may not be because you are in a spot where you're three and five. So do you really want to give up draft capital for additional pieces? But you're also you built your team to win this year. Oh, like yeah. You're in win now mode, and you're not that far out of it. In a weird way, it'd be nice if the trade deadline was next Tuesday, Wolf. Yes. Because if you beat Seattle, buyer. If you lose to Seattle, maybe you just stay with what Here's you are. Here's the whole thing right now. There's no way. you're gonna look, If you're Steve Kime, you're going to look at this roster and you're going to say, there's no way we're going to be beat up in the second half of the season worse than we were in the first. I mean, I'm just playing odds. I'm playing odds. I'm going to say, we're going to get some guys healthy here that are going to come back and make a difference. So... Why not go ahead and double down? Yeah, I know you're. You three are and kind five. of pot committed. I know you that really you are. are. You're three and five, but why not just say, okay, you know what? We gave up our 2022 first round pick for Hollywood Brown, and Hollywood Brown was worth every bit of that while he was out there on the field. And I know everyone's going to go, yeah, while well, he was out there on the field, Wolf. Well, listen, uh, believe me, he's going to be here for a long time. Would you give up a 2023? first round pick for Bradley Chubb and then sign him to an extension. Yes. The problem is if things go sideways here, that 2023 first round pick might be a really high pick. But... You don't need a quarterback because you're locked into this quarterback. So it's not usually when a team refuses to give up a first-round pick, it's because, like, Carolina. They're not, you're not going to get Carolina's first-round pick for anything this year because they know they're going to pick high and they need a quarterback. I don't know. It's, this is, it's a real tough decision where I agree with you and where I'm surprised how many people still think it was a bad trade. The Hollywood-Brown trade wasn't a bad trade. If he was out there with DeAndre Hopkins right now, this offense – would have no excuse. Uh, and I get it. Oh, he's not out there. Well, he didn't trade for an injured guy. He was he was healthy when he traded for him, and none of those receivers that you would have taken were there. Now, if you want to have a conversation about drafting Trey McBride in the second round, that, uh, that jury's still out on that one. Correct. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.